Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey out there, it's Paul Mosenson. Welcome to the podcast, Vix the Convince Marketing Optimization. So we've been talking about marketing and strategy and lead generation and revenue. There's another model or another concept we're going to talk about today, and that is um, app marketing and the strategies of having an app and engaging people to use the app, things like that. App is a part of daily lives. We all have them on our phones. We all use them. Some we delete, some we keep. Facebook is an app. We all use that. TikTok, oh my God, where did that come from? It's a crazy app, but it's used and it's popular. Snapchat, all these other things, business to business apps, consumer apps, game apps, trivia apps, health apps, they're all out there and they're all part of business strategy for companies to provide solutions for people who have needs whether they want to have fun or they want information. So today my guest is uh, one of the leading strategists in app marketing out there. His name is Fouad Saida, and I pronounce it differently every time I say his name. Good morning. How are you? Hey, Paul. Good morning. I'm doing well. Yourself? Really good. Really good. We were... We were apt to have a conversation today. That's kind of a pun, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, he's uh, Fred is the founder and CEO of App Growth Network. That is just like it sounds, appgrowthnetwork.com, a, pro- a global product marketing agency for apps. And his headquarters is in Vancouver, Canada, of all places. He's worked on 200 plus mobile apps in his career. And in the past seven years, um, he's operated a team that has members in North America, Europe, and Asia. In the past, he's worked for Sage as a global lead for app marketing, where he realized there are a lot of big gaps for product marketing for apps from pre-launch to growth phase. And so he founded his agency two years ago. So we're going to have some good conversation here. The first thing I wanted to do with you is, you know, apps. Um, from a business perspective, you know, there's mobile websites and then there's apps. Can you like talk about just in your own opinions and thoughts about why companies need apps and especially in this age of things going on in 2020 and and also customer experience and advantages of apps, things like that? Um, Yeah, that's a good question, Paul. I think this is about the convenience, the older functionalities that the apps have. Um, the location-based options, the radius kind of matching a lot of apps. Some apps are location-based match, matching. If they're not, the habit formation on apps are kind of more dominant compared to kind of mobile web responsive environments. Um, you look, for example, at meditation. Like, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, you, you have this habit of meditating every night. I don't think a lot of people just sit in front of their computer and they go to their favorite meditation um, session or on their, on their phone because they might get distracted. They just want to put everything aside, have this app, their favorite app, tune into that and keep meditating and focusing on what they want to do. Um, with webs and mobile web responsive environments, that is not the case there. Now, you can do that on the web. We're not, we're not saying that you cannot. It's just that there's a lot of distractions and possibilities if you're going to elsewhere. 
compared to apps that are focused. From a customer experience perspective, um, I think that's why apps are kind of more used in those environments. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, about making those decisions, like even a restaurant, right? If I yeah. wanted, like, I'll just use Panera Bread, for example, I'm the, you know, it's a popular place, right? But they have an app for ordering versus a website because it makes it easy for a, a consumer to go right in and order what they need without distractions, without finding things. I mean, the findability of what you need on apps is, is uh, a lot better than even mobile websites a lot. Um, where you can get a lot of bloat code and things like that. This is focus. I think a lot of focus. And, it is and, focused and, and also, yeah, it is focused and also you have the option to send push notifications to people on their phones on specific tar, like time of the day based on their specific past behavior, based on their life cycle. So you can reach out to them. They might be even in certain location you know, reach out to them that they can like you know have a restaurant close by nearby with a promotion and offer so from a marketing perspective also there's a lot of opportunities out there mm -hmm. yeah we'll talk more about that yeah what offers and things like that but you're right though when you, when you start speaking about this it's really like a, a personal one-to-one -one relationship you have with your phone anyway and um, whether they have to go to a browser and click on a website and you know this is you already have it on your phone and it's easy to get to in order to come back and use it depending on the situation even i think b2b is good with that because you know if you're ordering products and um and you want to review um some guides and some content maybe apps might be a a nice place to have that personal experience when you're trying to you know engage with a client you know, I mean, there's a lot of sales apps out there too versus websites, you know, it, that gets talk about functionality and, and that you can't really get with the web a lot, um, you know, or offshoots of that, like CRMs. Yeah, I mean, with apps, sometimes you, you look at apps as another engagement vehicle. The purpose of some apps are different for some environments, apps are companion. So for example, look at FinTech, financial industry, where I used to work. Um, a lot of these apps were like an invoicing and accounting. Nobody's gonna sit in front of like a mobile app and do all their journal entries for an accounting, right? But you can use them to like, you know, like for let's say, bookkeeping or for for accounting you can actually check your invoices on the go see who owes you how much money if somebody pays you you read an email you got a confirmation you can go to QuickBooks for example or another accounting app that you're using and say this invoice is paid now this is done you're not going to forget it right so or somebody calls you how much do I owe you quickly pull out those like that billing app and check like their invoices or their you know so it's just a, another engagement, like another vehicle to use on the go that you, when you don't have, you don't want to sit in front of your laptop or computer. And you think about it, do people really want at certain time of the day still sit in front of their laptops when they finish a long day at work? Mm -hmm. Because when they sit in front of their laptops, they get dragged to many things. They just want to zone out, right? They want to be on the go. Mobile allows people to be on the go and do things outside with their family, with their friends, right? While they could do other things. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of considerations. And I think that's the big picture is um, if you're gonna do an app, what's the strategy? Like any marketing or website design is, you know, what do we want our consumers or clients or customers 
why, why is this a better platform? We don't have to answer all that now, but it is, again, about customer experience and, uh, um, and ease of use, things like that, and the push notifications and things like that. But you guys focus on, you know, not as much as the development side, but almost you work with developers, but at the end of the day, you work with the entrepreneurs um, to um, start driving traffic to these sites, to these apps. Because at the end of the day, it's like that whole thing. I know it's a cliche, but, you know, if a tree falls in the middle of a forest and you grew the tree, but no one's there to hear it, did it really fall? You know, that, that kind of thing, right? You, you know, building the app is only step one, you know, and now people need to find it, whether you do your own marketing to customers or, or um, you just want to get it out there and start building an audience. That's a challenge. I mean, know that. But at the end of the day, you know, you guys focus on the app store optimization and getting them higher ranked on Google Play and the app store. But why don't you talk about, for people who don't really understand it, what app store optimization is and what are the key objectives of that? Yeah, so some people uh, ask us, do you, apps, do you do app store SEO? So the app store SEO and the, and the our terminology, we call it ASO, which is app store optimization. Right. Similar pra some of these are similar practices that you see on Google for like a ranking for queries and keywords. So it's, it's different for iOS and Apple. So I'll explain to you in more depth of how, how these are similar to web SEO and how they're different. Like for Apple, Apple is not a search engine. Apple is all about quality metrics. That's their philosophy, core philosophy. So when it comes to iOS, it's all about good sentiment, good ratings, good reviews. Um, the metadata has to be clear and like the name of the app, right? So um, the download velocity, that means how trendy this app is or the uninstall to install ratio, how many users are actually keeping this app. So they look at all these metrics. They don't care as much about like the whole description. So they, they're not like, they don't have like as like depth of bots that Google has. So the description I would say is very useful for um, just the conversions. So the first 200 characters, 250 characters to have a good description. When it comes to Google Play, it is different. Google Play is part of Google. So everything is indexed. Like the whole long description that is 4,000 characters is indexed. So we got to make sure that we optimize that. Um, the, the developer name, the bundle ID, the URL structure, the globalization. For Apple, they look at every store differently for every country. If you have an app in multiple locations, whereas for Google, everything is tied to each other. If you're strong globally, then you're winning in the US. So if you're only a solo kind of country app compared to an app that is designed for global presence, you might not get as as, as much of a strength. So we have to look at all, all factors. Um, just like on the web, when UX matters, same for app. If you get bad sentiment, bad rating, it's going to affect your rating for ranking for some keywords, right? So we look at all mm -hmm. aspects of this. That's an interesting um, point you brought up. And which is the big picture of app store optimization, but there's a different strategy for Google and iOS that a lot of people may not realize. I had no idea it was that different as far as the objective to have your 
app show up higher in the listings. It's different algorithms. That's what you're saying and how they work. And you guys are good at separating that. Yeah, and and to, to tell you the truth, Paul, sometimes you, you really have to be patient with these things. Like with Google, especially, it takes sometimes months to get ranking. Like we've seen sometimes 60 to 90 days. And sometimes some people, they like, hey, can I try you for a month? I'm like, for Apple, sometimes, yeah, it might be quicker to see results because it's, sometimes we do an update and we see some immediate results. But if, if this was that easy, everybody would stuff keywords and they would just rank but that's not the case. It was a few years ago though, when you had up to a couple of hundred characters, I think for 120 or 150 characters for the name, they reduced it to 50 and they reduced it to 30 for the 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 name, the, 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 the name and then the, the title and then the subtitle another 30. So they broke it to 30 for title, 30 for subtitle for Apple. Now Google's only 50 characters for the name. Uh, but Google gives you a short description, which is 170 characters, right? And they give you the 4,000 long description characters. So uh, copywriting is really important for these things, using like emojis even, how to get people involved. But again, that's not the only way and only method. Otherwise, everybody would know those things and would rank. So they brought in the, 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 the sentiment. They introduced the uninstall ratio. They wanted to make sure no there's not a lot of people taking advantage of the system. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting too. I mean, you know, in a way, you're bringing up reviews, ratings, whatever you want to call it, right? And we're so used to that with local businesses or any business, really. Google reviews, you know, um, Google My Business, you see reviews, Facebook reviews, Yelp reviews. The reviews are so important, and and that should be a high ranking factor. You know, when you think about, I'm just saying, it's a little sidebar here is. When you go buy an item on Amazon or Google Shopping, right. you know, the four and a half reviews versus three and a half is so critical in your bottom line. You can have the greatest product in the world or, you know, money, whatever, but, you know, three and a half and four and a half to me is a big difference because you, you sometimes. Huge difference. Huge yeah. difference. Yeah. So, and the difference is like in traditional media, we might ask people, you know, it's called reputation management, send emails out. Would you like to review us on Google My Business and things like that? And, or Trustpilot, if you heard of that, and other tools that um, for regular websites. But here's a different case now. We're actually pushing out your push notification. Well, you see them on every app. Would you like to rate us? You know, and, and hopefully that's done when they have a good experience so they can go back and... Uh, um, do the review right there from the app. So, so I get it. And I think that's all part of the whole strategy of you guys help developers put together, right? That yeah, all? we do. Yeah. That's a good one. So um, one method is um, with inside the app. So when people like enter an app, uh, after, after you identify the user is committed to an app, they're using it, to actually ask them in the right time, a critical event of the app. So what is a critical event of an app? Critical event of an app is the main goal and objective of an app. So let's say a meditation app. The goal of this meditation app is meditation session, created, completed, right? So that is the goal of this app. So when people have done a few of these meditation, we know that they are now using the app, they're users. So we can introduce them the love dialogue, which do you love us? Yes. 
then uh, great, please rate us. You don't love us, okay, then tell us why. So we keep all these negative review, re reviews in the app for us, for our, our UX team to improve instead of them writing in the app store. And research shows that 60, 70% of those people, they actually write the feedback for us. They're not gonna go write it in the app store, right? So we keep that, oh, yeah, ask people the right question, the right time, right? And also advocacy programs where we can actually like, just like the kind of stuff that you talked about, Paul, in Amazon or in um, Yelp or wherever, where you can actually like um, build champion users and, and send them like, you know, some special offers. Uh, obviously you cannot incentivize people and say, if you leave me a review, I'll give you that's against Apple and Google guidelines. But you know, if you're real customers, you really, really like us, it would be great to rate us genuinely, right? So those are all acceptable methods, right? What I don't encourage is to go buy, use, buy reviews, to fake it, because that's like, you know, like, like any other marketing, can be tracked and could be identified and that's not a healthy long-term strategy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I can tell, I've probably seen a few of those myself. They try to get on, oh, great up, you know, like who knows, but um, no, but I, I get your point though, really is, like any business is, I mean, you have the keyword research, you do all the technical stuff with the app stores, but then that's just one component of ranking. And again, the big picture is with any app company is organic traffic. I mean, it's easy to pay for it. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but you want that organic, you want people to find it without having to pay ads. It's sort of like Google search engines, SEO versus paid ads. Every, I mean, this is really a strategy for both, but if you can get ranked on page one organically, that's a, a lot better, usually ROI than a, a paid ad, especially if it's a competitive business. Um, so, I mean, all that works together. Um, you know, even the app that I built, like, you know, having people share the app and encouraging them to tell their friends and a lot of people don't do that, but give them some incentive. I mean, that's another thing, I guess, is to help build that organic traffic. Um, but you know, there's a question I wanted to ask you, I mean, okay, so let's say a company does have spend and, and they're building traffic and I know that where's everybody, <laughs> you know, after a month, you have different people, different waves of people, people play with apps, they read about them and they say, yeah, it's okay, but I'll do something else. Right. So, and that brings up the category, a really important category. Of, especially if you have a new app and you're trying to do pitching to advisors, I mean, not advisors, but angels and VCs and things like that. I mean, I think the thing they're going to look at is, are people staying, you know, and are you still engaging them? And that's the concept of retention, right? So how would you talk about retention in your field and the key factors that you guys do to help app companies uh, maintain their audience base? That's a very good point, Paul. Retention to me is as important as acquisition. And in my personal opinion, retention even is more important. We have spent money to bring people to, to our app, like sometimes three, four, five dollars an install. Now this is our goal to actually keep them there. That's the whole goal of an app to be existing, right? So I think the most important part is to segment users, to understand who are our power champion users 
who are our casual users, who are our dormant users, or who are the ones that are churned, right? And we have strategies to bring all these to life. Somehow the power users to be using it more and be our advocates and, you know, spending more money and enjoying whatever they're doing and the ones that are churning, resurrect them, right? So we measure retention based on different methods, day one, day seven, day, day 30, um, bracket bracket retention based like how many days or like unbounded or nth day retention, right? So all these are have definitions. I don't want to get too technical of that, the depth of that, but there are different ways to like look at the, 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 the retention. Um, and you know, and the apps are different. Like we talk about some apps, let's say meditation, you got to do it every night, every day. It's a habit every day to develop. It's a lifestyle, right? Or, or for, for FinTech app, you'll, you'll check it once, twice a week. That's enough to check your invoices and how's your financial health going. And you don't want you to check your invoices every second, right? Whereas for social app like Facebook, probably, probably people get on it every day, right, as well. So it's really important on early stages of getting a user. Um, I think it was Facebook who did a research and it said you need to have seven friends within seven days of people downloading the Facebook app or getting a Facebook account for a user to be sticky, you know? So it's really important to look at the onboarding, the push notification, the email marketing, the gamification, um, the badges, the social status, um, just like a life cycle marketing that we do, but like with all this tools that are available to us with perspective retention. Yeah. I guess also it's the nature of the app itself. Is it tells the content, no bugs? Is it easy to use? Is it is it um, thought-provoking or fun, right? Does it solve my personal or business need efficiently that makes me say, this is interesting. I don't want to miss anything. I want to come back. I guess that's almost like the difference between a mobile site and an app. An app is, like you mentioned, is really built for people to come back and use often enough versus mobile website. Yeah, it'd be nice, but you know, that's not really the objective. The objective is like purchases for lead generation with websites, but, um, but apps is like a user experience to get them to come back. So you can brand yourself or provide good information or, you know, or, you know, have other advertising, I guess, to, um, um, that's part of your business model. Like if you have ads in your app, then you want more people there and more impressions. I mean, everything is kind of, that's all part of the business plan really is, you know, once it's one thing at a time, you know, app store retention, you know, but at the end of the day, it's gotta be a great idea that people will share. <laughs> um, that's how probably TikTok did it, you know, like, you know, young people love sharing stuff. And uh, with their friends, Snapchat, same way, Instagram. But, uh, but yeah, so that's important with anything. You know, we got ASO, you mentioned that's a focus and, the, you know, there's public relations, um, advertising, you know, that's, you know, obvious with Google, Facebook and Apple search ads for the big three. Um, Costs a lot of money, of, obviously, to build users that way, but what other ways are there to advertise and also measure performance of um, your acquisitions on apps? So, I mean, you mentioned the, the top ones, 
the the organic the so the Apple ads, the Google ads, the Facebook ads, there's TikTok ads, there's Snapchat ads, obviously advertising as a whole. Um, and you know the cost per install varies. Um, Apple ads are really high intent because it's based on bidding on a keyword or query. Um, Facebook, you can actually get to depth of audience, right? People with certain segmentation, their hobbies, interests. Google ads, not so much. They don't have, unfortunately, audience option. They're good for like scaling. Um, they're cheaper. So everything that you actually can have, in, obviously in more depth, audience um, targeting, you'll have to pay premium price for it. And there's also third-party ad networks and DSPs where you can actually um, pay not only per install, you can pay for post-install, like in, in cost per engagement. So I'd say for maybe talking about meditation a lot, like I'm meditating myself these days. So you pay for every time a meditation session is created. You can actually make a deal, affiliate deal with this third party, right? There's no right or wrong answer who is the best. It all needs to be tested. But my best advice is to track. This is a data-driven environment. So A, you have to get yourself an attribution tracker. Out there, there's Apps Flyer, there's Adjust, there's Kuchava branch, there's a lot of different ones. Um, we are Adjust certified partner, have a good relationship with them. We have like, and, you know, they offer very good deals to some of our early phase kind of startup clients uh, to actually test them out. But I don't, again, have a preference of some over the other. They're all great. And on top of that, we have built uh, a proprietary reporting dashboard in-house called, we called it Apollo. Apollo allows uh, people to be able to, uh, it's connected different APIs of Apple's and Google's and, and, and all the advertising. And, and, and we can see in an executive 10-pager report, where are you spending your money? What's the ROI per specific campaign? And how are they even behaving in the app in perspective to source of traffic? So if I'm using Facebook, am I getting more customers, not only installs, compared to Apple, right? So we, and how much is that going to cost me so that we can actually report it back to executives at other companies to optimize their spend? So I we really believe in progressive approach, Paul, in early phases when people are unsure about the product. You know, batch by batch user acquisition. Get a couple of users in, couple, you know, you need like maybe 2,000, 2, 3,000 users in the very, very early phases for people that they are like, they're on low budget. Try to get them from obviously organic, paid, different source of traffic, but track it. Try to get as, try to get the best users for early phases of developing an app. Because if you have poor quality traffic, then you think, oh, my, my product is not good. You want to have the best traffic so that you know what went wrong. It's, it's about a bucket. It's really a bucket, a leaky bucket. Every product has leaks. How are we going to identify those leaks and fix them up? Till we get to a level, then we realize this product is scalable. Now it's time to go to VC, to Angel, to get, get funds and show them data. And there's lots of people out there that would love to fund data-driven environments. Yeah, I mean, it's intricate too because I know even from a big picture is with all these different tools out there, like Firebase and you said AppsFlyer and AppBanny yeah. and all these other um, crazy tools, mobile this and mobile that, you know, to put them all together in the one dashboard and, and actually it's one thing about numbers and it's always one of my pet peeves is don't show me the numbers, show me what they mean. 
right? And, and how do you make decisions on those numbers, which is what you guys specialize in is making sense of the data. Cause that's what people really want to know is, and then where do we, where do we fix and where do we optimize and, you know, and all those kinds of things. It, it is at the end of the day, Paul, like we get, I get like five emails a week. Um, sometimes more like I'm building the next the big dating app, the big next Uber for something. Like, you know, now during this pandemic, this Uber stuff stopped, but there's like I'm building the next big meditation app. This so I hear that and they have some of them have great pitch decks. And there are people that they don't they're like, I think this is gonna be the best. I think everybody thinks there is the best. And I and I and I don't demerit that. There's great ideas out there, you know. But, and I can, I can imagine if I was an, an investor, if I got a lot of these, I would ask them, what is your differentiation, right? And sometimes it's really hard to pitch it unless you let data talk. Quantitative and qualitative, uh, basically guesses here. But once you have a couple thousand users in, then you can now prove and talk. So if you can do a round of friends, family, build an app and you know what Paul it doesn't cost a lot to build an app these days to build it and market it to basic level you can do I, I think you can get it out there with 50k the whole thing to get to a few yeah. number of users right yeah 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 at least at least setting the stage for the next step which is raise capital raises and funding right right I mean, I mean, you really have to set the stage. I know that myself is, right. you know, and some of the leads that we would get every so often would be, we got this great app, but here's how much we spent. Okay. Now you need this so much for marketing. Like, oh, All right. So, right. but, um, but you know, you have, there has to be a commitment before you start, you know, you know, a plan to build users with your company and advertising and whatever, or else you, you can't go in there thinking, build it and they will come. No, and marketing needs to be baked in early phases of development. Whenever I talk to clients, I, I, get, I get a lot of leads that they're about to launch an app. I tell them, engage with us at least two months ahead. There are things that you can never change after. It's a bundle ID. For your Google Play, you can never change it after. is part of ranking signals for Google Play. You know, Sometimes it's just a simple URL parameter that goes there, but developers two weeks to launch you're like well i can't change it there's a lot of work for me to go back and change the bundle id and well i wish you told me two months ago i would give you a single option right or even the developer name if they have a choice that's part of rank ranking criteria right there's simple stuff like this the growth sdks like the firebase you talked about some of these like attribution sdks some of these are free tools for facebook sdk it doesn't cost anything it's just time so the analogy I use for his Paul is like, you know, when the patient is cut open, you know, don't leave anything behind because once you sew it back to go back and do the whole, you know, sedation process and, you know, it, 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 that itself is an anxiety. But once you have the chance when you're coding it, if you have an event taxonomy where you know what your enough events are that you want to track, you have that document in front of you and the developers are coding it, it's simple for them to do it. It just has to be planned ahead. Yeah, actually, that's another point in analytics, actually, you know, is, the, is the events, you know, the, not just the install, but are there key elements in a app that you want to track because that builds engagement, too. Um, and if there's features not being used, you can use push notifications to get them to try that as well. 
this is so good conversation. I mean, it's really, there's a lot of technical stuff here, but you know, if you're a tech company founder, whatever, there's really a lot involved here. You know, it, you can have a great idea. You can even research the idea. You can do studies. And then there's a certain point where, okay, I think I'm good here. Let's code it. Right. The, you know, that's a whole other topic, but mm. it's still about acquisition and retention. That's the success of the app. And you got to prove that um, if you're going to get investors. Do you have any other suggestions for these um, audiences out there who want to grow their apps or build their apps with um, and what the big long-term strategy is so they, they understand what needs to get done? Yeah, I, I should say, Paul, we, get, we deal with different audiences. We deal with solopreneurs to enterprise environments, right? Yeah. So there are, there are situations where, A, you have a co-founder who is technical or you don't. You know, if you do, that is awesome, right? And if you don't, do your due diligence on the app development agency or whoever you're bringing as partner. Make sure all the growth SDKs are on board, you know, and don't expect to build this overnight. Rome wasn't built overnight, so it won't be your app, you know? You don't need a lot of money to begin with, as I mentioned. You know, come up with a good positioning, innovative idea that is worth sharing. So you know that one person will bring another 10 it can go potentially viral because of the idea. There's plenty of funding out there. There's plenty of investors out there. But again, don't expect them to give them pitch decks and they just hand you money. You gotta have, you gotta show them some data. The first 10,000 users are the most important ones. So they could break or they could make you. And that mean it. If you have a lot of negative reviews and ratings, it's really hard to come back from that. So try to get the best quality traffic as you can in early stages. You're gonna pay the product premium price for it. But as time goes by, as these people, great customers are gonna share about your app, more people are gonna come in, then you can go to tier two traffic providers and your cost per install will significantly go down. And hopefully by then you have ranked in the app stores and things get better. And if you can think global, if you have the option to think global, you can test your app in tier two, three countries. Like there are countries that your, the cost per install is one eighth of US, but your revenue per install is potentially more. So let's say, look, think about Brazil. I think it was, a concept that in Brazil you can get people for one eighth of US, but the revenue is half. So you can actually, the ratios are very good, right? So as, as they said, you don't need more than 50 to 100K these days to build an app to market it, get it, get it to basic like stages of understanding. You need decent quality users. And, and to me, Paul, it's all about passion. Choose something that you're really passionate about. You love it. You can connect the community. You can go talk about it. Um, you can tell a good story. If you can tell a good story, there's chances that Apple can even feature you because the story of you as an entrepreneur, your background, your passion, your team, the team behind you. Why are we building this? We're building this to change the world because there's nothing out there like this. Okay, so talk about it. So, um, and again, and lastly, that's why App Growth Network exists. That's why we are in business. We deal with tons of apps, launch every day, live the lives of app entrepreneurs. You know, it's such a joy to deal with these folks because they all are passionate about products. Somebody like yours, including yourself, who's passionate about sports and now you've launched an app for like, you know, discussion about sports. We live the lives of these people and we 
love, enjoy watching them grow every day and hope some of them get funding. They go to the next round, the next phases, they stay with us or they graduate with us to the next level of their lives. And um, don't think that you're support, you're, you're alone. There's always support out there for you. Um, and again, just think, think different, um, knock the right doors and opportunity will come your way. Yeah, for sure. Whether you want to keep growing the company or it's funny when I, one of the early conversations I had with someone was what's your exit strategy, but I'm still working on my entrance strategy, right? But yeah. people, people want to know you want to sell it. Well, maybe, or maybe I'll just run it. Yeah. But anyway, again, that's part of the objectives of what you want to do. And I guess you can be flexible. Like, Hey, this is really growing here. Maybe I should um, sell the technology. I don't know, but that's part of a business plan. Um, yeah. Anyway. Enjoy, the, enjoy the journey. You got to enjoy the journey. Sometimes oh, yeah. the of a journey, the dealing with the development firm, the marketing, the users. Um, sometimes, it, but you know what? Even though you get to a level that now you have an app, now you see people coming in, now you have contributed to, you know, the society somehow with these apps. Um, and there's every day there's there's a need. Yesterday I played tennis. I could I'm like I, I need a I need a mat. I need a play, person to play with. I need a partner, and I found a partner through a tennis matchmaking app. It was totally not perfect. The platform. I mean, did the job, but man, could I build something that actually can match somebody with my radius, my skills, um, like you know, somebody that actually can I can have fun, like enjoy, like having a have a have a beer after the game, right? So maybe like you know, there is obviously there's matchmaking uh, apps probably for like, you know, tennis or something like that, but there's lots of different ways to improve that to next level, right? There's always opportunity for somebody else to come and improve with taking the next level and, and enhance the life of people. Right. Yeah, for sure. It does take a commitment though. A commitment, yeah. you know, you need to be committed, you know, this is yeah. a, like, it's a business and you got to spend a lot of hours, but you, you know, we all on this earth to, Attempt to live a dream if we can, and if we have the opportunity, let's do it. Um, yeah, you know, sure. your your fa your family to support you, <laughs> but um, but you know, comes from the heart. So an app's not going to go anywhere. I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Where till till there's apples and Google's and the smartphones, I think apps are just going to stay stick around for a while. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for uh, joining me today. This is a very insightful conversation. Um, I'm with Fouad Saidi. That's another pronunciation. I think I'm close. Appgrowthnetwork.com, just like it sounds. And, you know, the bottom line is, again, the commitment, you know, obviously some funding and, um, and strategy and having the right partners with you. And, you know, I partner with App Growth Network and we built a successful app together. And, uh, and you know, and that's important to have great relationships and uh and and rely on each other you know if some it could be gut-wrenching some might not work but keep going man keep going especially now live a dream yeah thanks. if you can thanks paul yeah thank you very much for having us and inviting me today to this podcast today um it's been such a such a joy always talking to you and uh, seeing you uh, looking at different angles and trying to give back to the community, the marketing community. Now you're giving back to the app development community, app marketing community. And um, it will all come back 
it'll all come back and uh, people will listen. And the more we educate the developers out there, the entrepreneurs out there, um, the, um, the better it gets and the more quality product we get that it's like basically smooth launch of these apps and um, less mistakes, less mistakes, so. Right. One final note um, is <laughs> if you're going to budget this, I would say, you know, the give or take, you can, you can budget coding, but you need to take another two thirds above that and budget marketing. You know, just don't think it's coding and that's it. I mean, vendors, advertising, creative design, app store images, logos, software, it all works together. You need to have, a, understand the commitment to all the tools and all the opportunities there you need to grow your app. You know, coding is just one, the first part. <laughs> Actually prototyping before that, but it's all a process. It's a fun process, but just be smart out there um, and make it worthwhile and budget properly. Yeah, budget properly, and there's not there's nothing free out there. Like, uh, I mean, the people think even apps or optimization is free. It's your time, it's your relationships. Um, unless you have strong relationships with, like, in the PR, the media, the you know, so you can get featured or get 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 a lot of buzz. Um, which those things still, you probably have at some point of your life, you have spent some time or effort to earn them, right? And but but again, nothing replaces good products. Good product, they can go that's, viral, you know. So that's a great last line. All right, so that's it. This is Paul Mosenson, uh, Marketing Optimization Fix the Convince podcast. We talked app marketing. I appreciate you guys listening, and uh, stay tuned for more great topics coming up. Take care. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.